The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, Sheila Walsh helps you weather the storm inside. Have you ever told Jesus the whole truth? Have you told him about things that you've pushed deep into the cellar of your soul, hoping that you never have to look at them again? Have you ever named out loud the disappointments in your life? Jesus wants to fill those places with hope. He wants to make you whole. Sheila Walsh, welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. Thanks so much for spending time. I love it. So many of you have written to me on Facebook and said, you know, I look forward to this. I put it in my calendar and it's just like a regular date and it encourages me. I'm really grateful. And just know that those of us here, you know, there's quite a, an amazing staff. You know, usually just get to meet a few of us like James and Betty and, and Randy and myself, but there's, there's a huge staff of people here who love you and who are praying for you. And it's their commitment, their heart is that these programs that they, they make a difference in your life. They remind you that in the midst of difficult circumstances, that Christ is our hope. And that's what I wanna to talk to you about today. I wanna to talk about moving from disappointment to hope. Now, if you'd asked me to pick an adjective that might ultimately lead to hope, I wouldn't naturally gravitate to disappointment. Because really, if you think about it, disappointment seems to be almost the antithesis of hope. Well, before I started writing and teaching on disappointment, I sat down and I read through well over 200 letters I've received from women just over the last few months. And the word disappointment came up a lot. Things like, I wish I'd taken care of my mom and been there for her after, until she died. I'm so disappointed in myself, I let her down. My greatest struggle is disappointment in myself. Another lady, the bottom line is this, I'm really disappointed in the way my life has turned out. Someone else wrote, I'm bitterly disappointed in my failure as a mother. I don't think I'm a good mom. Somebody else wrote, I'm heartbroken and disappointed in what it's like to be a pastor's wife. I thought it would be different. Several people wrote things like this. I'm just picking one. I'm so disappointed that everything I taught my daughter, my son, about the love of God seems to have made no difference. One woman wrote, my daughter's now in jail because of her addiction. I'm so deeply disappointed and how unfulfilled I feel in my life. One woman wrote, in spite of being a Christian leader and other people looking to me. And honestly, those are just a few of the comments I read. Of all the issues that seem to hound us as women, disappointment seems to be one of the most debilitating. For some, disappointment is so bitter that it has completely drained the future of any hope. There are situations that feel so bleak, so final, that we actually believe I'll never really hope again. Have you ever been there? I mean, you might even be there right now. The truth is the level of disappointment we experienced is measured by how much hope we've invested in the situation. You know, like if you show up for a movie, for example, and you didn't think it was gonna be that great, you're not gonna be very disappointed if indeed it's a poor movie. But if, however, you're in the middle of one of the worst storms of your life and you are begging God to calm the storm and he doesn't. 
that can lead to pretty devastating disappointment. Let me ask you to take just a moment and reflect on your life. Where do you think that you are experiencing the greatest disappointment? Maybe it's gone on for so long that you can't even imagine not being disappointed or rediscovering hope. So our question for our time today is this, how? How do we move from that darkest night of disappointment to the profound hope that the Word of God promises, promises those of us who trust Him? And another question, is it possible that God actually uses the disappointments we face every day to lead us to our ultimate hope, which is found only in Him? As we look into God's Word in this session, we're going to take a look at a woman who experienced not just profound disappointment, not just for a season, but year after year. But in her story, she found redemption and a hope that nothing in life could shake by reaching out and touching Jesus. And I honestly believe that hope is available to every one of us. We find her story in Mark's Gospel, but we don't even know this woman's name. She's simply referred to as a woman in the crowd. If you have your Bibles and you like to follow along, open them to Mark chapter 5. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 25. So let's read the story of this woman who moved from crushing disappointment to overwhelming hope. And I read from the New Living Translation. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she'd spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Well, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realizing at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. There's no doubt this is a miraculous story. But what I want us to see, though, is the greatest miracle she received that day wasn't even the one she was looking for because she didn't know she needed it. She wanted to be healed. She wanted the bleedings to stop. But Jesus, Jesus wanted to make her whole. The glorious thing about the grace of God seen in the face of Christ Jesus is that he sees beyond our cries to the very deepest longing of our hearts. And he answers prayers. We don't even have the wisdom to pray if we will wait on him. There's several things to note about this poor woman. First of all, she's suffering. The first thing we read about that woman is that her bleeding has been constant for 12 years. But in modern days, modern medicine, medicine is a condition called menorrhagia. I have a friend who's a school teacher who's suffered from this for two years. She is so weak and easily worn out. If she gets up too quickly from her chair, she can pass out. It's a very debilitating condition. Well, the woman we read about has been like that for 12 years. Mark tells us 
She's used up every penny she had in an attempt to find a cure. And not only is she no better, she's actually worse. Interestingly, in those days, the Talmud offered 11 remedies that might bring relief. And most of them seem very bizarre to us today. Example, one treatment said this, if you can find a corn husk in the droppings of a white she-mule and carry it around with you, that might help your condition. Not sure I'd go for that option. But she's really desperate. She's also an outcast. To me, that seems worse. Most of us are familiar with the 10 commandments, the big 10, but there are actually 613 laws that apply to every Jewish man, woman, and child. And the one that impacted this woman the most is found in Leviticus chapter 15, says this, if a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. Think through what life must have been like for this woman. What did it mean to be an outcast in biblical times? Well, if she's been married, she can no longer touch her husband. Even to hold his hand would be to make him unclean. So I imagine she was living alone. I'm sure she was unable to have children. Now, if you were her friend, you couldn't invite her over for coffee because the chair she sat on would be unclean, as would the cup she used. If you saw her and she began to slip and fall on the street, anyone who knew of her condition would not be able to stop her fall. She was obliged by law to call out unclean if someone was about to bump into her and hadn't seen her. She was an absolute, absolute outcast. She was not even welcome in the house of God. Utterly, completely alone. Well, she was also desperate. Someone once told me this, when the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change, then you're ready to change. I think that's where she was, desperate. She'd heard that this man, Jesus, was healing people and she knew that this was her chance. I think it's amazing that she still had faith. She still hoped. But even as she determined that she would push through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment, something happened that might ruin it all. A prominent Jewish rabbi, Jairus, fell at Jesus' feet on behalf of his 12-year-old daughter. Interesting. He, she suffered for 12 years. This is a 12-year-old girl who's dying. Well, he begged Jesus to go with him to his home. This girl was everything this woman was not. She was loved, she was fought for, treasured. She was Jairus's daughter, not just a woman in the crowd. Well, this was a crossroads for this woman. Would she slip away one more time, even more bitterly disappointed? Or would she push through the crowd and her fear and her disappointment and touch Jesus? I think we all have moments like that. Moments when we hear God calling us, calling us out of that place where we think, I'm alone, nobody cares, I'm abandoned. We know it's his voice. We know he's asking us, come on, step out in faith. Will we respond? So much easier sometimes just to slip away into the shadows. And God lets us choose. Well, in that moment, with her heart pounding in her chest, I'm sure. She stepped toward Jesus, reached through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And immediately she felt it in her body. She was healed and Jesus felt it too. He felt power had gone out of him. 
and he stopped and he asked the question, who touched me? Well, the disciples thought the question was ridiculous. The crowd was pressing in on him from every side, but Jesus waited because he knew this. Many people touched him that day, but one person touched him in faith. Jesus, he knew who had touched him, but he wasn't gonna expose her, he waited. Now here's the thing, she could have slipped away unnoticed and presented herself to the priest in seven days and been declared clean. Nobody else would have known what she'd done. But I wonder, would she have lived the rest of her life wondering if she'd stolen a miracle? Would she have wondered if she'd made Jesus unclean? This is what we read in, in the Gospel of Mark, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. The Greek word used for fall down is the same word used just a few verses before her story in Mark 5, when a demon-possessed man fell at the feet of Jesus. The interpretation here is not simply of tripping or collapsing, but of falling in worship, humility full of belief and understanding of her need for a healer. She told him the whole truth. That simple statement makes me stop in my tracks every time I read it, the whole truth. Have you ever done that? Have you ever poured out every ounce of the disappointment that you carry? Christ will listen. He listened to her. I'm sure that Jairus and others were trying to get him to move on because his daughter was dying. But Jesus stayed and he listened to this poor woman pour out the disappointment of all the years. Then he gave her a gift given to no other person recorded in scripture. He looked at her and he called her daughter. What a gift to this lonely, broken woman who had not belonged anywhere in a long, long time. And Jesus said, you belong with me, your family. Jesus told her to go in peace, that her faith had made her whole. She could have slipped away, but would she have gone in peace? Now Christ himself owned her before the whole community. He declared that her faith had saved her and sent her home in peace. Many translations say, Go in peace and be healed. But the minute she touched the edge of Christ's garment, the bleeding stopped. So what else needed to be healed? So much more. I believe she needed to be healed of all the tapes I've played in her head over and over again. I think she needed to be healed of the shame and the bitter disappointment. I think she needed to be healed of the self-hatred that the enemy must have used to just torment her night after night. When we limit salvation to that single act or commitment we make to Christ, we miss the beauty and depth of everyday salvation. The Greek word for salvation is sozo, which means to save and to heal. He wants nothing less for every one of us. He wants nothing less for you. Christ's work in our lives is an ongoing process as he exposes the places where we're broken, where we've lost hope and invites us to bring that to him. Let me ask you just one more time. Have you ever told Jesus the whole truth? Have you told him about things that you've pushed deep into the cellar of your soul, hoping that you never have to look at them again? Have you ever named out loud the disappointments in your life. 
Jesus wants to fill those places with hope. He wants to make you whole. Because those are the places that the enemy loves to torment us. Let's just, let's take that away from him. Tell Jesus the whole truth. Pour out everything that you see as ugly and unredeemable and experience the blessing of hearing him say in the deepest recesses of your heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. Think about Jesus, the beloved son of God speaking to you with a fiery love. Daughter, son, loved one, adopted one, adored one, go in peace. It's a beautiful invitation. So what would hold you back? Are you stuck in the past viewing your life through the rear view mirror? Are you disappointed in yourself, in other people, or even in God? What's keeping you from telling Christ the whole truth? Don't allow the disappointments of yesterday to, to rob you of the hope right now available today. I know that we'll never understand this side of heaven, the depth of the love of God. As his precious daughters, we have a glorious invitation to trade our disappointment for the sure and certain hope we have in Christ. For years, this woman had been defined by one thing and one thing alone. She was a woman with an issue of blood. Now she would be defined differently. She would no longer be defined by an issue, but by her identity as a daughter of God. When you're a child of God, there's an identity that no one can touch. And for every no that you've received in your life, each one is outweighed by Christ's definitive yes on the cross. As Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, outwardly, trust me, we're fading away, but inwardly, we're being renewed day after day after day. He goes on to say, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. When Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he put the disappointments of this life into perspective as we look to our eternal home with Christ forever. He said this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. He was very definitive and how he wrote that last st statement, this hope will not lead to disappointment. I love a theologian I read, his name is Miroslav Volf, and he writes this, though our bodies and souls may become ravaged, yet we continue to be God's temple, at times a temple in ruins, but sacred space nonetheless. So today, right where you are, in the midst of your disappointment, in the middle of your shattered places, will you let God redeem the ruins and renew your heart? You're a daughter of the King, beloved, no longer defined by your circumstances or labeled, but identified by one thing alone, a daughter, a son of the King. 
One of the great joys I get to be part of here at Life Today and Life International is I get to travel and I get to see the impact that so many of you have enabled us to make in the lives of others. Because today, there's some people who are in desperate need, perhaps for years, maybe some villages as long as 12 years, they've been longing for simply clean water. And today you and I, we get to be an answer to their prayers. Would you watch this? If you had a choice of these sources of water to drink from, which would it be? For most people, it would seem obvious. Choose the one that looks clean and inviting. A disturbing fact is that millions of people do not have the same choice because they live in areas where clean, safe water sources do not exist. The devastating consequences of having to drink from unsafe water sources can be seen in the faces of mothers who have lost children to sicknesses and disease caused by waterborne illnesses. We have the opportunity to offer another choice, a choice that would provide the greatest blessing, the blessing of life. These three siblings, they fight the daily elements, the dryness, the dangers of the river here, and all that encompasses. They even lost one of their own uh, brothers who drowned in this river out here. And so we can bring change though by drilling a well, bringing water of life, that'll bring life change to this village. And by God's grace, we will see that very soon. You know, I realized there was so much I didn't understand about so many of these villages, so many of these countries where they simply don't have access to clean water. I didn't realize how far these children have to walk every day. Some of them have to walk for miles. Some of these children never get to go to school because their job is to simply walk for miles to get water and to walk for miles and bring it back. The other thing I didn't realize was how dangerous it is in some of these places. You know, some of these places where children have to go, it's very exposed. And we've heard terrible stories of children who've been attacked and killed by wild animals. And you know, I think of how much that you and I take for granted. You know, I mean, every morning when I wake up, I just, I turn the faucet on to brush my teeth. I don't think about it. And yeah, I think of the number of, of moms who go to bed each night praying that someone will hear their heart cry and their prayer. Because what they want for their children, is not the latest sneakers or the latest kind of iPhone, is simply to be able to provide for their children clean water. I've watched some of these children in villages where we haven't been able to put a well yet, you know, go lift this water to their lips and everything within me wants to stop them. But I realize they've got no choice. They drink nothing. And when there's no death more painful than dying of that terrible dehydration, or they have, the, they have to drink this dirty water, knowing that there is a chance that they will contract some terrible disease and lose their life. No mother should have to worry about things like that. We pray for our children. We pray that they'll do well in school and do well in college and make good choices in their life. Those are normal prayers. Moms shouldn't have to go to bed at night. Dads shouldn't have to go to bed at night soaking what little pillow they have, praying that someone will hear their cry and send clean water. Well, we've heard the cry. And not only that, we've realized how doable it is, how, you know, how easily we can meet this need. Um, for example, if you were able to give just $48, do you know that that will provide clean water for 10 
people. If you're able to give a little bit more, say $144, that will provide clean water for 30 people. And if you are one of the blessed people who are able to actually put a well in, $4,800. And you know that provides enough clean water for a thousand people. And it's literally water for life. Not only does it give them life, but it lasts for the life of the village. That well will last for like 70 years. So please, would you join with us and do give your best gift possible? Would you go to your phones? Would you dial that number on the screen or go online? But if each of us do something now, then we're able to go back and bring you the stories of the changed lives because these children are able to grow up and be healthy and go to school. And who knows that God would raise up a leader among those children to change their nations for Christ. Would you call now? Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink polluted water filled with deadly disease or perhaps die of thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most proven and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can't end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. A gift of $48 will provide disease-free water for 10 people, $72 will provide for 15 people, and $144 will help provide clean water straight from the ground for 30 people. Please also consider an additional gift of $100 to help provide three families with water filtration kits in emergency areas where our drilling rigs are unable to reach. As our thank you, we'll send you the books Words of Jesus and Words of Healing. One contains only the words of Jesus and the other scriptures for healing in your body, mind, and soul. With your $100 gift, you can receive both hardbound and softbound editions of these scripture promise books. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our beautiful hand-sculpted Determined Eagle Bronze. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Thank you so much. And I wanted to tell you too, if you were able to give an extra $100, we have these amazing filter kits where we can take them to villages where we're not able to have access. And they pour this water through this filter kit. They say it's almost like dialysis. I mean, it comes out, it's so crystal clear. And that will provide um, water for three families. So just for an extra hundred dollars, that'll make such a difference. I just want to thank you so much for being with us. And we'd love to send you the Storm Inside DVD. We've got lots of lovely gifts that we'd love to give you. And I know you don't do it for that, but it's just our way of, of saying thank you. And remember, if you need us, we're here for you too. So I'm Sheila Walsh saying thank you so much for being with us on Wednesdays in the Word. And we'll see you next time.
I wish I could do more for Life Outreach International, but I'm saving for retirement. We have a plan that can help you do both. Contact Life Planning Services today. What would you have hanging in your thought closet? Tomorrow on Life Today, join Jennifer Rothschild as she shares some practical ways to speak truth to your soul. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.